So now we'll read from the Bible, and uh, the first reading is Proverbs 23, starting at verse 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There's surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. And we'll also be reading from Philippians, verse 4. Oh, sorry, chapter 4, and verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, who gives me strength. On my thread. We're running out of time. Please, Doctor, what's wrong with her? Mr. Witchell, I'm afraid your daughter is dying. Of FOMO. Everyone's hanging out without me. This is one of the worst cases of FOMO I've ever seen. Or even, like, read about on Twitter. I'm sorry, I don't understand. It's all right, the medical jargon can be a bit confusing. It stands for fear of missing out. I don't know how I follow that, I've got to tell you. Um, hi, um, hello everybody, my name's Tim Anderson. Um, I'm here to present you a sermon on FOMO, of all things, and hello to all our people on digital. Um, hopefully you're all clear now, the, the, the video's cleared things up, uh, and we can all go home. Uh, well, not really, because I'm only joking. Bit of FOMO for those who wanted to go home. But before we, before we do that, let's pray. Um, because I think we're going to learn some things tonight. So, Father, please speak to us today by your Holy Spirit and give everyone here the message you intend to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. So, some background. The Oxford Dictionary added FOMO, or fear of missing out, to the lexicon in 2013, but the term originated in... Um, in America at the Harvard Business School in the early 2000s. Uh, they believe it came, uh, came about uh, in the wake of 9-11 and a new cohort of business majors were grappling with the brevity of life and they became obsessed with experiencing everything uh, that life had to offer while they, could, they still could. And the fear of missing out is defined as a pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absent. With the proliferation of mobile phones in the interviewing years, the term has morphed from something really obscure, something that people didn't know, to it's become quite commonplace, um, as 24-7 access to other people's attention becomes the accepted norm. Recent studies um, examine the relationship between the impulsive checking of phones and a host of psychological conditions like anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, obsessive compulsive disorder, addiction, attention deficit disorder, body dysmorphia and physical symptoms of these disorders. Uh, in 2019, a study in the Human Behaviours in Emerging Technology Journal found a strong link to smart, smartphone use, including a link to unsafe driving 
behaviour such as texting or simply not wanting to miss out on that ping as that message comes onto your phone while you're driving. So I'll just preface this, um, this talk tonight with just saying if, if these things raise um, issues with you and you need to talk to someone about it, feel free to grab one of the pastors afterwards um, because we'd love to pray with you and support you. So though the term FOMO is recent, the tendency to desire what comes, uh, what others have or are experiencing goes right back to the Garden of Eden. The serpent plied Eve with the seemingly legitimate question, did God really say, do not eat the fruit from the tree? Ecclesiastes says this, what has been done will be again what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So as there is nothing new under the sun, it's important to see what scripture has to say about this seemingly very modern idea, but actually it's quite an old idea. Uh, so I'm gonna cover two areas as we think about it tonight. One is about, for the church, where we might feel spiritually inadequate in the church. Or the other one might be where we think, looking outward at the world, that Christianity isn't enough for us. It's not enough for us. So let's talk about that feeling sometimes that we may have about being feeling spiritually inadequate at church. So at an, at an event at our old church, uh, the women who were present were encouraged to share their life story uh, with each other. So it was, a, it was, I think it was a woman's event and they were talking about how their life was and what was happening. And the stories were very different with people experiencing lots of different things. But one story in particular affected my wife, Jen. So this story presented a family with two believing parents, godly home, a prayerful uh, life with their family, grace at the dinner table, Everything sounded perfect. What a perfect Christian home this might be. What happened was Jen came home from that in tears. She'd wanted that to be her story as a child. And her, her story as a child was nothing like that. It was full of difficulty and struggle, a single parent home an absent alcoholic father and limited spiritual leadership. And Jen reminded me of what I said to her because I can't remember anything. So this is what I apparently said and thank you, Jen, for reminding me. You, cannot, you can't compare yourself to the story of someone else because it's not yours. Your story is your story, and you never know how God will use that story. So we have to stop comparing yourself with others, and you need to embrace the story and look to see what you have been given and for what God is going to use it for. So this event was quite significant, one that our kids remember, Courtney and Katie remember this, because it started a journey for Jen when she, she uh, started to write Christian children's books uh, that captured her story. Uh, and they've been read by many kids. Uh, we have heard back from letters and discussions 
that her story has made a real difference in their lives. Uh, so you just never know how God can use you and your experiences if you are willing to grasp it as your experience and to be comfortable with that difference. This example is a challenge to us to not constantly compare ourselves to others and not to constantly seek out new experiences. We need to be, be content in how God's made us. We may fear that we are missing out on something that others are experiencing in their relationship with God and this can lead, lead to a constant, constantly seeking out new experiences or new ways of connecting with God. However, what we've got to remember is that our relationship with God is not about seeking new experiences or constantly trying to one-up others. It's about having a deep, personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Romans 10 puts it this way, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not about what we do or what we experience, but about who we believe in and who we trust. So how can we overcome this fear of missing out in our relationship with God? Well, the first step is to rem remember that our relationship with God is not about what we do or what we experience, but it's about who we believe in and trust. So we must focus our, on our faith in Jesus and not on what others are doing or experiencing around us. Another way to overcome this fear is to be content in what we have and who we serve with it. And this is from the Apostle Paul. And he's, he's a person, if you know your scriptures, he'd seen it all. So I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Contentment in what you have and what you've been given is the key. Finally, on this subject, we need to, we must trust in God's plan for our lives because we all have one. You may not even know it, but God has a plan for every one of you individually and from, he put it in place before you were born. I think that's pretty cool. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. We must trust that God has a plan for our lives because, like he really does, and just as Jen did, we don't need to constantly seek out new experiences or ways of experiencing and connecting with God. We have to, we have to trust in what he has planned for us. And that's, I know how hard that can be, but that's what we've got to do. So what I'm going to talk about there, Christianity is not enough. So I'll put this, um, Proverbs gives us a bit of a, a picture into our hearts and gives us some, some thoughts on the matter. So don't let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous of the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. So this, the key point to this is about avoiding the comparison trap. So when we're looking outside at the world... So FOMO can saps, the, as you saw in the video, joy from life, 
uh, and leaves us empty and fearful or, in her case, dead. So one of its worst impacts is it distracts us with the material world by putting the spiritual world far from our minds, rendering God into second place or out of our lives altogether. If you think this isn't happening in the church and with people around you, well, you're dead wrong. There's been a concerted campaign to put Christianity in a negative light for many decades, and it's been pretty successful. So churches have been closing, and we've lost a lot of bright young talent. They've decided to leave and look for something more exciting and better. If you think that can't happen to you or someone you love, well, think again, because it happened to me. Uh, I was brought up in the church my whole life. And between about 18 and 20, I got a job in an airline and I saw things that I wasn't quite prepared for, to be quite honest with you. I was drawn away from the church to live a life free from Christian influence. Church and Christianity just seemed really just irrelevant to me. Uh, I just saw it as about rules and restrictions. It told me people I knew and liked were on the wrong track, but I like liked them and I didn't think that. I thought they were quite fun, actually good company. There was no way that I was going to miss out on what was going on around me. So, and I discovered girls, made friends with people who I probably would never have met at church. Um, I met people that just didn't think like me, and by, but by and large I was accepted. Felt pretty good. Church and God seemed to me to be so far away. And honestly, for a time, for a time, I was having the time of my life. Then slowly but surely, I started to see cracks in what I thought was a great life. People firstly disappointed me, and then they betrayed me, and I saw awful things happen to friends that really seemed really unfair. I liked the idea of being accepted and being included, but I also started to be honest with myself that as good as things were at times, there was a lot of darkness as well. And it's a miracle that God actually called me back. It really is. And I do mean that sincerely. Because if certain events hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't be standing here tonight. So firstly, don't be foolish and say that a life without God has zero meaning or that it's always empty because that's just not true. There is a genuine hook to life without God. And sin can be really fun and cool. Or that's the way it appears at the time. The problem is it doesn't have any answers to eternity and it ignores the question completely. So what does John have to say about this? Therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to me. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is promising you life to the full. Not a life with darkness in it. Not a life with betrayal in it not a life where other people are hurt. He's promising you life to the full. The problem is some Christians either act or are embarrassed 
are embarrassed to be who they, who they should be. They want to be accepted and they want to fit in and not be different. We all want to get along with people, really. We, don't want, to, we want to be accepted. Who wants to be an outsider? I don't know anybody who wants to be an outsider. I don't want to be an outsider. I didn't want to be an outsider. Unfortunately, this FOMO can turn into an unquenchable craving to be almost anything at any cost. How does FOMO appear in your life today? What form does it take? Are you now a supporter of a political or, or philosophical belief um, that takes your attention away from God? Have you tried to fill your life up so you now are so busy that you live, a constant state, you live in a constant state of confusion, stress and distraction? Remember, it starts so subtly. Something, sometimes with good intentions, but slowly, just one small decision after another, you move further away until after a while, you turn around and you look back and you have no idea how you got to where you are far away from where you started. And that's exactly what happened to me. Not one big step, just little tiny decisions, one after the other. So as a reminder where I should be, Matthew 7 puts it this way. We need to enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but this is for us, for Christians here. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So we are called to live in the world but not become like the world. If Christians become like the world, they cease to be authentically Christian. I say this not to upset anyone but to warn you on how easily this can happen because it happened to me. So here is where we need to really examine our thoughts and motivations. We have talked generically about FOMO, but we have not mentioned who is behind FOMO. And it's the same person behind all the things that try to distract us from God, uh, and that's the devil. We must not forget, and sometimes I think we do, that we're in a spiritual battle for our souls. So it's no accident that things like FOMO exist. Thankfully, as always, Ecclesiastes was right. There is nothing new under the sun in the case of FOMO. 1 Peter gives us some context and some sound advice. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But resist him, stand firm in the face, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And Ephesians 6 gives us some useful strategies on dealing with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can stand against the devil's, devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So let's just do a little recap. FOMO is real and it can have some quite detrimental effects on us and those around us. We must be vigilant when it comes and examine ourselves so that we know where it's coming from. We need to remember that we are, part, we are under God, part of God's family, accepted and loved. If we stick with Jesus, we can never be taken from his love and protection. We need to keep our eyes on things above, not on the things of the world. Remember, we're in a spiritual battle. That means we're going to get scrapes in life. We're going to um, get bruises. But ultimately... God is the victor. He will always be there no matter what is happening in your life and if you put your trust, and if you put your trust in him. And if you do this one thing, you can be assured, like me, FOMO or no FOMO, that even today in Kirawee, Jesus still changes everything. Thank you.